collected wine for ooh, 40 years now so that's passion and then i moved into art about 10 years ago mm -hmm. started slow with things that were kind of simple that simple landscapes and progressively as i learned more about different types of art and again you're coming down to art as a massive media right but we focus down to visual arts, and mine is mainly oil, watercolor, and then some other medias that I like. I started out with landscapes, so and then have moved now. Finally, moved into more modern art, so to speak, which is very fascinating. I collect, or we collect, I should say, Jane and I, we collect a lot of North Carolina art some of the top artists in, in the state right now, several of them born here. And it's just been a, a little niche that, that we think, you know, they're all living still. So we'll just see how, how it goes. All right. Well, let's take a little step back for the people who are listening to the podcast. Sure. Please pronounce your name correctly for me. Oh, okay. Scott Sullivan. Great. Where now? Where do you come from? I, I mean, I know a little bit about you, but give me a little bit of background. Like, you, oh, yeah. were you like were your parents uh, into art or anything no. like this? Well, yeah, sort of. My dad was. He he collected print art. Mm -hmm. His passion was birds of prey. So we had the big bald eagle, the guy Koliak, who was who's still a very prominent wildlife artist. I can't remember the other fellow's name. Audubon. Yeah, well, yeah, sure, John Audubon. When we had prints, Audubon prints that were, you know, they're still around here somewhere. I don't know where they are, but they were nice. My mother really didn't care about it that much, and nobody in my family really cared about it. I was, I was an athlete when I was a kid, and grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Then went to Tulane University, where you know, got into food and a little bit of art. I liked art in in college, so music as well studied classical music a little bit and still love that and so got out started collecting wine and then now I've moved into art okay so you mentioned when you talk about art you that you collect generally sort of we'll call it like two-dimensional works generally so it's, it's more that line than three-dimensional necessarily well no I, I think you know that that's the beauty of it is that it there are the depth, and that's it. That that's one of the things that I attribute why I like it so much is that I have my vision is incredibly good. I have twenty fifteen vision. I have great peripheral vision, and the depth. I have a great depth of field vision. I can't read without glasses. As we all can't at this age. Yes. <laughs> but but you know, so you look at a, a painting like that right there. And the depth of it, you know, you get the, the 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 clouds up close versus the clouds way off, and the the fact that there are all these little images, and you can take little pieces of the painting, and and they're minimal. It's like looking through a paint, paint glass window, right, where you have little pieces that make a neat little scene, but it's yet it's part of a whole painting. So, 
one of the things I'm really interested in when it comes to collectors, because I'll define you as a collector, yeah. just so you know, okay, the, the is sort of how did they even, like, how do you approach when you want to collect something? So, like, what are some of the criteria when you're looking at, let's say you might go to a gallery and there's, like, a dozen different artists being presented. What, what are the things that attract you to one versus another? Well, it's, it, it's interesting because it's like wine and it's like investments. You need to have a strategy. You need to have a thought process and then stick to that, right? Because, I mean, you can go into all different types of genres of art and all of a sudden if you've got a collection and it doesn't, you know, it, it's just a bunch of different pieces, that's not necessarily a great collection, right? Even though they may be great pieces individually. Yeah, so my, you my get family's to, like that. Yeah, you get to certain themes. So, for instance, I like one artist who he doesn't put any buildings. He takes his scenes are like Walden, you know, the where there's no, some of his humanity is not touched many of his scenes, right? Mm -hmm. And that's artistic license, right? And that's great. So then you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, there 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 are different aspects to that. For instance, he paints by daytime. So he'll put eight o'clock on the side of his painting and then he'll do that every morning and see the nuances in the landscape. You know, you can see the humidity in his paintings. I was gonna say yeah, the light is matching the light quality Correct. every time it works on the yes. same piece kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And so then there another artist his work is modern and it doesn't matter he, the exterior the outdoors don't matter to him it's all and he layers it thick and then slices it off and it comes out and and the images are just immense it's just the whole painting is speaking to you with different things and people laugh at some of the stuff that jane and i we look at a painting and 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 we see these things, and, and we show it to people, and they go, God, I never saw that. <laughs> but it was really funny. And of course, the artists probably don't think it's that funny, but it's just one of those things that you see so many. So when I was a kid, you know, I'd look at tree lines, and you'd see, you know, dragons. The pine tree looked like a dragon and all that kind of stuff. And then we had a, a telephone pole next to our house. The little wire that was the ground looked like an elephant with a trunk, right? And so I'd just look out the window and as the moon or whatever came by, it was awesome. You you mentioned like midlife crisis and all this yeah. kind of stuff and having already been a collector of, of other things basically. So what brought you from collecting wine? Like why did you change? Did you, you complete your wine collection or have you stopped wine? Oh, no, 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 no. We've, okay. We still... Still doing wine. Yeah, and there, 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 there are other reasons right now, especially. Art is a store of value. I mean, so for instance, when some of these painters die, there'll be no more paint, paintings, obviously. And so you, you, all of a sudden you have a... It's kind of like Bitcoin, right? There are 21 million Bitcoins going to be out there. That's it. Okay. If, if one of these painters has done a thousand pieces, that's it. So it's a store of value if, if you know if the artwork in itself is good in the first place, right? It's like gold, silver, whatever. I mean, they're all store of value. If you look at the way money's been passed down from generations, it, it comes in different different things. Sure. The, now, okay. When 
different people come to collecting art in different ways. Correct. So like it's my preconceived idea is that there are sort of people who love the art and don't care about the value of it per se. Right. And then there are people on the other side that maybe not it's not like the most important, but they take into consideration the potential uh increase in value over the time. Yeah. So I'm gonna assume because I know you're very business minded, that it's probably more a, a little bit more of the potential return on investment or potential increase in value or store of value, yeah, or the store of value, the historic value. No, the store of value. It's it stores. It's so. For instance, in 1933, when the stock market crashed and everybody was poor, some art was still very valuable. You could take it someplace. And trade it for to somebody for some money, just like silver or antiques and and things things of that nature. So it's just a it's so that's part of it, and so it's actually three things I would say. You you, you talked about it, and I was thinking about it this morning. And so so it's there are some things that you just like, right? Like that painting right there. It's you, you can't see it, but it's just fun, right? And it's beautiful, and she's done a great job. But there's no value there necessarily. But it make you know it. It's part of my collection, and I loved. She did a little still life over here, and feel free to mention the names of these artists. By the way, you've been saying he and she. Yeah. And well, I mean, do you want absolutely? That? Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. People love to know, like, because listeners could then look up that person, right? So they could be like, oh yeah, okay, I could see why they like that, right? Okay. Yeah. So so there are those things, and 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 another media that I like is pottery. So I've gotten we've gotten into pottery a, a fair amount because of Seagrove, North Carolina, and then Penland. So we have a house in Boone. You go to Penland, and it's just you know it's one of the awesome things to do to go see these young artists doing this fantastic work. And okay, but that's a thing that I always wonder about too. So like as a collector, so you're looking at your collection because you even talked about this as sort of as a whole. So you're, you're right. trying to create a sort of a are you creating like a thematic or are you create like, cause you talked about North Carolina. So is it, yep. a, is it a genre, uh, like a, a geographical thing or is it a style thing? Like, so what, when you're in your mind, you're thinking of the thematic idea of your collection, what would you define it as? I would say that the thematic, there are two, two things. It has to be, it has to be able to be deep. Okay. Depth has to be there. Meaning, you know, you, you can't, collect somebody who's only putting out one or two pieces a year so it has to have some depth to it secondly i would say would be to some degree people painting in north carolina right now and painting and and maybe a little bit of pottery and then thirdly it's just things that i like in general like there are the themes that woods for instance we have a 10,000-acre farm, and it's got the most beautiful woods in eastern North Carolina, if not North Carolina. And so it's an old hardwood. So just the colors and the images of that, as light changes, as various things change, it just it, it, it gives you a wonderful feeling inside that it's, it's just there. It's nature. It's very simple, right? It's kind of simple. Now, on the other hand, the modernist I like is Herb Jackson. Herb was the director of art at Davidson College. 
actually Ann Brennan went to Davidson and Herb was her mentor, I guess. But anyway, so Herb's art is not that. Okay. It's, it's, it's a, it's a no. different dynamic. But once you get into that dynamic and it has depth and you see things over and over again that work. And so that's a, and he's from North Carolina, born in North Carolina, went to Carolina, went to state, did all this, but he's fantastic. So. Okay. You've used the word depth a couple of times. Now, do you mean, I understand that you were talking about like the visual nature of it, like seeing things in it. Yep. But as artists, again, like I'm a practicing artist myself sure. and also a teacher. So I'm always wondered, we've been taught recently in the past 30 years or so that we have to like write about our artworks or write our artist statements and things like this. Sure. From your perspective as a collector, are those important? Well, yeah, I, I think so. It, it's very interesting because I've always had, I mean, I think that, that art during the maybe late 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s was very angst-driven, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. most of them, they had some sort of angst in life, and it, and so that's where the art statement comes in. And and I would have to say, having met most of the one, they don't have that angst to their work. It's it's much more of a deeply, in my opinion, a, a more intellectual like John Bierman with colors. I mean, his colors are just. I mean, the the when you get, I mean, they're just amazing in how he gets those different colors, and and so it, it it's really interesting. There's another fellow named Richard Fennell who went to ECU, and I think he taught there for a little bit. But so we have a farm. I told you in Hyde County where we have you know it's ten thousand acres and it's beautiful. And Hyde County is just basically sea level. Okay, when you see the colors in the marsh at varying times during the day because it's so flat the depth of the sunlight the depth of the as it goes down up and down and all it, it's just amazing to see the colors that are pulled out of the marsh and 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 the water because you know if you're in the mountains you've got a small window of that sunlight that has a different has creates different properties for the for the painting or for the for the subject and up there it's just so it's not that's him right there so you can see that color purple right there in the in the sky which none of the listeners can see but i can see it yeah well that's what you know i'm saying it's you can see and so you see his colors are and they're you know it's just a colorful painting but so anyway those that's a couple of the folks that right okay but again the question about like the text so basically okay if you were well how, okay wait how do you buy your artwork so let's go back a step so like do you walk into galleries do yeah you... i have galleries that i that represent most of the artists well but okay but how did those relationships get made in the first place so, like did you find the gallery did you find the artist did they find you yeah i found the artist and then i met the gallery there's a gallery in Greenville, City Art Gallery, Tari, Tari Stroud. And she represents Tuttle May. She's a, uh, you know her? I do know Tuttle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So she's great. Got a, got a lot, you know, she's another one that I I'm think. venturing out into modern things because she, she does some great, great work in a modern. And so 
I had looked up a painting by John Bierman, and Tari had that, so I went in and met her, and, and we've been friends ever since. And so she represents some other folks that I like. And then I have there's another gallery, the Art Cellar in, in Banner Elk, North Carolina. Okay. So they, they represent Herb Jackson, for instance. So we got to go meet Herb and, you know, tour his gallery. I mean, his workshop, which is just fabulous. I mean, it's unbelievable. And you see see how people work, and it, it's a great – and it's a positive space. You know, it's a po- very positive space. You go in there, and you're excited. You're not like – you know, it's – and he's excited. You know, and, and so it's it was really interesting. Anyway, so those are the two galleries. I've bought some things other places. Don't do any auctions or anything like that? I have not. No. Okay. Uh-uh. So again, so you have the depth, right? So mm-hmm. you have – you come back to – Let's just use, well, let's let's use John Beerman because he was one of the first ones I collected. So he's been painting for, you know, 40 years, right? And mm-hmm. so that's part of the depth as well, getting some of his early works, you know, mid, you know, as because, uh, you know, if you're, if you're uh, any type of artist and you're not growing, even a musician, right? You, you know, I read something about, Brandon Marsalis, mm-hmm. he's the saxophone player, and he's and so he New Orleans. So I have a affinity for jazz, and and he was saying, you know, he's now that he's sixty, he's getting, he's learning so much more about music because all of it's just starting to sink in, and he's got this, to use a technology term, this massive platform of music that he grew up with, right? What's well, the wisdom he, of age and right. experience? And so you look at that, and and same thing with Herb and everybody else. They, you know, uh, oh yeah, I look back at my own stuff. When I remember thinking I was making amazing work when I right. was like thirty, and I now look back at it, I'm like, what what crap did I? It <laughs> was so bad, you know, in comparison to uh, sort of going to you, like the depth of what yeah. I'm making now, like the the richness of experiences that are behind it, the techniques that have grown and gotten better over age. Like we always think back to like. Picasso, you know, like everybody thinks of Picasso as this great right. masterful art. Well, you're when people are thinking of Picasso, they're thinking of the work he made like after he was fifty years old. Correct. So, like, so it's not that he was a master his entire life and his right. entire career, but the stuff we know sort of puts him right. in that realm. So, a lot of times, some of the greatest artists don't make their best work until much later in their life. Sure. Well, you know, musicians the same way. And Absolutely. composers, you know, when you think about it, you, got, you have the theme. You have a, basically a theme uh, of you know your 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 music, and and it's the same thing to see how they've grown that that original kind of how that original kernel of thought that they first put on paper, and then it how it got to where it is now. It's really fascinating. You mentioned the idea of like buying multiples from an artist kind of thing like and so i wonder about collectors these days because there's the old days of patrons where like they would choose an artist and they would you know buy from them regularly and right. sort of support them so how do you, do you just buy like your favorite piece by an artist and then just go to another artist or do you continually No i continue i continue You yeah. do okay yeah. so so like what Well it's like mine so it's interesting that you bring that up because it's really it's really fascinating because so in wine, when you when you collect wine, you collect a specific 
vineyard. Right. So I have a collection of Dominus wine, which is Christian Moe, who did Chateau Petrus in France, one of the most famous wines in the world ever. And so I have a collection going back to 1982 or 81. So I have all his wines in a, in a big collection. And if you read, it's really interesting because if you read about wines these days, the popular thing is to go, oh, well, we'll try Christian one day and then we try this the next day, then try that. There's a whole world out there. But if you do that, then all of a sudden you got to, you mean, you're trying to please too many people, right? And if you're going to have a collection that's going to be worth something, you're going to have to, it's going to be focused, right? Because the person who's going to buy it wants to be focused. So it's just really interesting. And you learn these things. So my, one of the things, Jane's brother, Matthew knows Jane. Jane is his wife. Yeah. And so Jane's brother was a musician. Really? And we brought in a bunch of musicians to play with him, professional Jack Bruce, who played with Cream, he came. Buddy Miles and Billy Cox, who were the original Jimi Hendrix band, or the band of gypsies, I guess it was. And all these musicians we paid to come in, and we produced this album of all the music that Bruce wrote. Well, I didn't really pay attention, and the album just was, it had four different genres of, of music, right? And so he was trying to see which one would people would bite, and then he'd create more. Well, it just it, it ended up being a flop because, you know, people didn't like the, the opening thing, but they liked the third thing. And then, you know, so so trying to plea, he tried to figure out how to get a genre rather than taking a genre and running with it uh, because that's the way. And so that's kind of the way I'm, I look at art is you develop your your collection around a specific you know, either person or theme, you have to have those themes. And each of them have a different theme, but in general, we get back to this North Carolina. So just having fun with it. It sounds lovely. I, I wish I, I had the ability to do it. I mean, how many, like, okay, so as of today, so we're in, what, December 2020, uh, how many pieces have you collected? Well, how large is your collection these days? Holy moly. <laughs> Uh, 500. Wow. Okay. That's large. Yeah. And uh, do you, do you have everything you own on display or do you have things in storage? Very few in (laughs) storage, very few in storage. It's all on display. Okay. We have, uh, just for your information at the Cameron Art Museum, we have, uh, Manu by Herb Jackson. Have you seen Manu? I did. Yep. Wasn't that beautiful? That's how this all, that's how this whole connection sort of started. Yeah, isn't that beautiful? It? That's mm-hmm. so Manu is a ecological it's 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 for ecotourism, right? And it's in Peru. And so he painted there and the the and these are the fun things that you learn and he, and I was talking to him about John Bierman and we were just talking about and so he says John has a lot of green. He goes, I've never liked green, but I I was in Manu and there's no way to get around green. <laughs> so, you know, he had to paint some green in there because it was a jungle. Anyway, so it's kind of fun to 
you know, talk about those sorts of things. And Well, artists often talk about how, like, they're influenced by their environment. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think about right. in times when I had smaller apartments, I worked smaller. When I had big, bigger studio spaces available to me, I would work bigger kind of thing. And so, like, Correct. everything from color to scale to all these things affect how the, the how artists approach their work, basically. Yeah. Now, so do you, do you have a... A thought pattern on like scale and things like this because like that one you were just talking about is really quite colossal in yes. size whereas that's not really something that could fit in a home very easily let's Correct. say so do you when you're approaching potentially you know buying some works do you think about scale is that important to you like do mm -hmm. you want it to be like relatable or are you looking for like you know what are some of the characteristics that are interesting to you yeah i think scale is 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 a very big consideration for instance our hall our stairwell has a huge wall and so we have two herb jacksons in there they're not collectively they're probably almost the size of but it fills the whole wall so it just gives it a scale there that you can sit and look at that whole you just sit across the hallway and with a chair and see the light coming in and the different media that he has in there because he uses pumice and sands and other minerals Micas and, and micas like that, yeah. and all that kind of stuff so it's really good. when i was a kid i read a lot right and, and and during the summertime i had my favorite couch and in and so i would just sit there on the couch and read all day right well that's my reading couch and there's at the end of my vista there is one of my favorite little paintings right so you, you know it, it and it works perfectly right there so oh, it's yeah. like this perfect little gallery. Obviously, that one's out of place right now, but we're getting ready to do redo the office here. Oh, I mean, I people often like my artwork when they buy mine. They always give me like, "Oh, we put it in our bathroom," and they th sort of think it's an insult. Yeah, and I'm like, "Are you kidding? Right. Everybody goes into the bathroom. Like that's one of the places of honor in a home because everybody sits there for a decent amount of time at some point or another. Oh yeah, so, like, <laughs> everybody will see that piece of art that was put in the bathroom. I mean, I understand." For humidity and stuff, it could be bad for certain types of art. No, no, no. I hear it. it's funny because I. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, my bathroom, I have my favorite piece. Some favorite pieces in there, right? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, I know. Sure, yeah. and the space is perfect, you know. And so you don't. I don't want it overwhelmed, but it, it's something that you can sit there and look at and and get a feeling for, you know, what the scene or whatever. Indeed. So. No. Okay. When you're collecting, so like a little bit of nuts and bolts of it, because you're a businessman, right? Do, do you have like in your mind? Do you have a budget when you go collecting, or do you just like fall in love with things? Like, how do you, I, um, not like financially? I don't want to know your how much money you're spending or anything, but like, do you have like, do you go in with a, I'm not going to spend more than this amount of money, or do you go in with I want to fall in love with something? Pretty much, if you fall in love with something, you're going to buy it. So, I, you know, it, it, but yes, I've always got, I have a bunch of budgets in my head. Right? I'm sure you do. I mean, you, <laughs> I, you, I you run businesses. It. I know right. you have budgets so, always you know, in your head. The wine is similar. I, I always know I have like a, a a limit, right, that I try to keep up with. And, uh, and sometimes you go over and sometimes I don't buy stuff for, you know, a couple of months. And so, and same thing goes with art. I'll go quite a while usually at this time of the year without buying things and 
I was gonna say, so like, yeah, is this a, something? So, do you collect on a regular basis? Like, do you buy a new thing every month, or is it a seasonal uh, no, thing? Just, or? you know, kind of when you see something, right? So, mm-hmm. for instance, tomorrow I'm gonna go on the way to Hyde County, which is outside of Washington, North Carolina. Sometimes I go through Greenville, and so I'll go through Greenville tomorrow and see Tari, and we'll talk about various things, and probably end up buying more pottery or something like that just to fill out some of the she's got some nice pottery and glassware and stuff like that these are all you know like there's my little teacup Mm -hmm. it's all from somebody that you know the potter that you know i like and like their work Oh yeah, so so you do sort of that patron idea. So you yeah. you find somebody you love sure. and you continually buy from them, kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I love that. I'm, yeah, I, I mean, wish more people did it. Yeah, that's the way I look at it, and you know, like their works, and so that's kind of where we are with with the, the collecting. And of course, Jane is a painter. We had a bunch of her paintings uh, in the mountains, and we had this huge wall. So one time when she was here in Wilmington, I went and got all her paintings and put them on the wall. It really was it was an emotional experience for her. She said, I never thought, you know, that much of it. And I said, it looks beautiful. You know, it's great. Watercolor. She does a little painting in oils and other things. And she's awesome with needlepoint. I mean, very, very intricate artwork. Hmm. So... So that's kind of, you know, so we're having fun. She she loves art, obviously. And when we met, you know, some of the artists, we, we let them come stay at our house and paint. And so people come to the house and paint. Yeah. That's fabulous. Yeah. If you want to go to the new house, go to the mountains. Not the new house yet. Okay. But in the mountains, we let them go there. And then uh, I think uh, John Bierman is going to come to Hyde County and he's going to the mountains in January. And then trying to get him to go to Hyde County in, in the springtime. You know, Herb, here, Herb's not, he's. Yeah, it I, doesn't matter. It, uh, yeah, it's not a change of venue no. for him, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, when he did uh, Manu, that's a big deal, but, you know, but, and not to say that he doesn't get his out, things from outside, but his work has to be done in his studio. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's a big. In the beginning of our talk here, you you mentioned something about like learning about how to to look at art and buy right. art and all this kind of stuff. How did you learn that? Reading and what did did you have some advisors, some some assistance, no, not really. some nothing, no outside help or anything? Not really. No, I, I mean I read a lot. I told you I read a lot, so I read I read a lot about the various artists. I read for years about architecture, just because you know we do buildings and we do stuff and land planning land planning is an art you know it's a really um and we've done some really bad art and we've done some good art and you know so anyway yeah it it basically when you start out in my opinion you look at the simple things right it's it's color it's lines Mm -hmm. like richard always has things that just a tad bit of an angle right you know mm-hmm. so it just gives it a different the lines and or tony griffin does the same with the lines there they're they're just and so when you when you're farther away it looks that looks like a modern painting just but when you're sitting right here it's obviously it's the ocean right 
And so shapes, all that, it just, you know, the the thickness of the paint, the everything goes into the the overall painting. So it's a very complex situation. Okay. A lot of the collectors I know started off though like buying like prints, like you said yep. your dad did, and then sort of, and maybe like then photographs and then sort of growing into paintings and, and other sorts of things like that. So did you sort of enter into it at sort of a entry level yes, kind of that kind of thing? And then yeah, sort it was of real simple up? real simple scenes like that that was napa valley printmaking yeah so start with yeah on paper well just you know water scenes and things of that nature and then i have a friend or well, we were friends in in college amy jackson or actually amy jackson dixon who city art represents her she lives i think in denver now but i bought some of her paintings early on that were there were scenes from New Orleans, right? That, that, anyway. Oh, the Napoleon House was a little cafe, and it was always great muffalados and things like that. And so Amy used to paint a little bit of that, wine bottles and things of that nature. And so, and then she's obviously progressed. It's really fascinating to see what she's done in her life, moving into some more modern, you know, abstract art. And then moving back and forth and back and forth, and how the colors have changed. It's just really interesting. Sorry, it makes me think about my own work. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm well, like, I'm like, I, I've grown into a bit more you abstraction. Send, send me some of it. Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I used to be very representational, and now I'm getting more abstract, but yeah. now I'm fighting against that abstraction to go more represent. So it's that balancing act of like, oh, yeah, yeah. Too far, not enough, so on. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, but, but I think that's great. I really do. I think that's great to have those. It's a balancing act. Yeah. So, sometimes the more abstract is really beautiful, and sometimes it's it's just basically overworked. Yes. Is, is what it ends up being. But. Yeah, always. That's one of the things that fascinates me. Is it, you know, it's it. I remember in Amadeus the movie, and Solieri told Mozart, he said, "Too many notes, too many notes." Right, and so how do you know what exactly is? You know, how does how does Herb know that's the last spatula he's going to, you know, it's so, you know. Well, I run into it a lot where, like, I think I've overworked something and then, like, a collector or a curator will come in and say, like, this is my favorite piece. Right. And I'm like, but I hate it. Right. <laughs> you know, but they love it. That's And then the one that I love, nobody else likes. Right. And I don't understand that. I'm so yeah. bad with that. But that's, you know, so be it. It's the nature of the industry. Is yeah. Everybody's very subjective about how they look at things. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, okay. Over the longevity of this, so like you, what's going to happen? You know, you're not young. Nothing personal. Right. You know, what's your plans? Do you have the plan? Because I've had some previous guests on the podcast talking about like estate planning and things yeah, like yeah. this. Like, so do you have expectations of passing it on to your family, or is it going to be there's some? Have you made any arrangements for like uh, collections to be donated to museums and things like this? Like, is this something you even think about? Oh, sure, think about that kind of stuff all the time. I mean, that's what you know, just part of my job. Don't know, probably. Probably try to keep the collection together. Oh, is maybe that important? Maybe to you? create a foundation that then lends to or is a subsidiary of mm-hmm. something so that the collection goes together because it could be something significant one day. Mr. Cameron 
collected ducks, decoys. And so we've, we're giving the decoy collection to the Cameron Art Museum, and it's worth a substantial amount of money. So, well, and well, that's interesting too. Wait, because you part of your life is is being married to right. Jane, and you inherited a collection also a little bit, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't collect much art though. It was his was ducks, and uh, I don't Louise. I can't remember. She really didn't collect much. Yeah. They had a few pieces that were very nice, mainly print, and mainly wildlife print art. Mm-hmm. Well, like my family's getting old, and I, and they have a an eclectic collection. Yeah, and like um, like you were talking about earlier about having like a cohesive collection to right. be able to you know either hold together or donate one place or pass on whatever. My family is very eclectic. Like right. they've got like one random piece by random things that they just fell in love with. And yeah. I started thinking about like how could I donate this to a museum or put it together as a collection? And it really can't because like right. we've got stuff from Morocco and Russian Georgia and and right. like all over the world, Portugal and like things don't match at all. And so like right. no single museum or institution is going to want everything my parents have. Yeah. And that's kind of the, the issue really <laughs> when you get down to it. It really is. Cause yeah. like now I'm like, what am I supposed to, we have like a William Blake and like a Leonard Baskin yeah. and a, and a, a Matisse print like I mean right. they just have no relationship to each other and there's no cohesion but we love it you know it's our family collection sure but we we would never be able to give it to a, an institution right. because it's not cohesive in any way whatsoever correct so I mean it's a, is that something that you think about is like trying oh, yeah, to get a cohesive idea right. yeah oh yeah 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 because if you're gonna so if you're gonna give it to a museum for instance you know and and they want to show you know, if it's a, an eclectic collection, people will come see Herb Jackson, right? You know, you put it in, and so you have to have enough pieces to make it interesting for the 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 venue. So, like John Bierman's been that was one of the things that I I was uh, at the Cameron Art Museum when it first opened, and they borrowed one of his paintings from North Carolina Museum of Art, and I was with a good friend of mine, and he said that guy is going someplace. So and that would be what, 20 years ago? Now? Yeah. At least 20 years, 20 years ago. Yeah. 20. Yeah. And so it's been interesting to see how John's come in and out of those, you know, things and they know about his life and all that kind of stuff. Okay. Something that I'm always fascinated by because mostly because I'm really bad with this. <laughs> okay. Right. So like, this is one of my, is it sounds like from the conversations you're, expressing to me is that you are building relationships with these artists that you are buying artwork from. Sure. So how important is that relationship in the nature of like choosing to continue to collect? So not just buy one piece, but, but continuing to support and collect them. I like happy people. I mean, in general, right? So if you, you're, why can't artists be happy? Why do they all have to be, you know, <laughs> stuck in a snit? It's it is such an interesting thing that artists are thought to be like this. I remember meeting I think it was Dorothy Gillespie and she was just a delightful lady and I said, Yeah, gosh, this is great. You know, it's not this oh my God, you know, I woke up this morning and it's just this thing bothering me and that you know, you're going, Woof. Oh, I know. I've run into a lot of people that complain about, especially like older, bitter yeah. artists, yeah. like the one who haven't been successful in their career and they get really, oh, why is that young kid getting so much fame? Get like right. bitter and angry. But the, not all artists are like that. No, but, no, I know. <laughs> I know. 
I, I mean, I, I get it. I just just enjoy meeting them and hearing what they've done. And is this really because if you're going to get into it, you might as well get in, you know, deep down into it and understand, you know, kind of what their background is. Well, okay, and and that sort of leads on to the point of like the story behind the the work or the artist right. like are these kinds of things the things like because basically what i'm trying to figure out for you because like i don't know the answer to this i'm trying to sort of learn from you is like why do you choose let's say to so it's not about let's say the individual art piece but why do you choose an artist to support like what is it a something about them well, it's mainly about their work, sure. Okay, it's about the work yeah. first. Yes, work first. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you don't collect anybody who's an asshole. Like they have to be a nice I person. Don't, I, I I don't know that I have any in here like that, right? <laughs> but I haven't met them all. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's, it is quite possible. Well, cause, like, now, I, Richard Fennell is uh, he's the mayor of Whitsett, North Carolina. I don't know what you know. So if you're a mayor of someplace, you got to be. Pretty even though nice. there are only forty people there. Oh, people being assholes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I've, you know, it, as you get older in life, you just don't want to deal with that. I mean, it just, I understand that everybody's brain works differently, and but I, I just try to live a positive life. Worked hard that way, trying to make it more positive every day. But no, so, it, it totally makes sense. Right. Like, I totally, I mean, like you work in, construction and and property management like so you're not going to hire somebody who's not enjoyable to work with right like so like why would you buy art from somebody who's not enjoyable to buy from sure like i get that it yeah it's one of those things that artists oftentimes don't think about it as a business basically sort of like as as business relationships they think of it as like oh it's my soul and like oh you you must understand me i'm a tortured artist kind of crap but it's really, to a certain extent, it's it's business. Like, right. I mean, you be a good person. Somebody else does their job well, on time, efficiently, whatever right. you know, and trustworthy. All the kinds of things that you would say for any business associate. Yeah. Art's the same thing. It's still it's it, at a certain point. This is one of those things. Like at a certain point, like basically, when it gets to a gallery or to the point where you're seeing it. At right. that point, it's more or less a commodity. It's just a thing that's going to have a transaction happen. That's it. It's not a personal, you know, expression right. of blah blah. Good thing. Right. But so many artists get bogged down in that crap. Oh yeah, they they get a big ego. <laughs> they do. We do deal with a few of them, but yeah, yeah. I don't mind a big ego. It's it's the nastiness that I don't like. You know, if people get yeah, you know, nobody likes it. Yeah, right. I wouldn't think so. I don't know. Okay. How do you find new artists? Do you rely on your gallery or do you find them on your own? No, I find, usually, typically I find them on my own. I, I go down, you know, I look at what, there are several websites out there, Mutual Art, Artnet, and then there's some galleries that I purchased a couple of paintings from that send catalogs mm-hmm. yeah the e-newsletters and that kind of stuff yeah uh, finley gallery in new york that sends a lot of stuff uh and then there's another gallery when we were out in california in the desert there palm springs mm-hmm. and they send a lot of stuff so you look at what that is versus what you're doing and 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 determine whether you want to branch out or 
find a new artist or because well, my my wonder is a lot of artists are always or I, and for that matter a lot of galleries are always sitting around saying like how can we find more collectors yeah so the question is sort of like how do people get on your radar so like you are a collector right and everybody wants your attention oh yeah <laughs> so it's like I mean you, you, I mean and you have to be nice I mean like do you get like unsolicited things sent to you or oh do... yeah there's one sitting right over there <laughs> <laughs> and does that ever work? Typically not. Yeah, I didn't think so. No, it's, it's just one of those things that, you know, you, and it's always a, well, it's always a pain. You know, it's just, that's the way it is. Now, the museum, the Cameron Art Museum, did, did does this thing called State of the Art, Art of the State, mm-hmm. where they let everybody bring their artwork in. <laughs> they put it all up on the wall. I know. And it's great. You know, it's great. It's great fun. And it's just, it gives you so much perspective on people about, you know, uh, we had another time where the previous director, Ren Brown, and a friend of mine's wife was an heiress and had a, quite a bit of money. And she wanted to, you know, somebody to come look at her artwork. And Ren came back and goes, oh, my God, it was uh, like a three-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, and, and so, and it's hard. You know, do you like my work? And you're ooh, oof. It is difficult. I mean, and that's sort of what I go And that's to. the other type of person that's the problem is the one that, you know, knows they have good art, you know, and you go, well, that, that ain't that great. It's difficult. Like, I think that it, there's a balancing act, which I'm horrible at, so, like, I'm not right. saying, and is of the great art and a great person. Like, yeah. so, like, fun to hang out with, interesting stories, whatever it is. Like, the thing that makes not only, like, the art – interesting but like like i find it okay so like here i'll give you a good example my family we have some art that's the art is let's say slightly above average but it's not exceptional sure but the story that we have behind either oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, are good the too, meeting right? of yeah. the artist or the circumstances under buying it or whatever like makes it so much more interesting than necessarily it is by itself like if it, it literally just put it on a white wall in a gallery it's like yeah, it's a fine piece, but add that story in, and suddenly it's got the uh, incredible depth and color, uh, sure. richness to it that oftentimes make you know pieces more desirable in whatever way. Right. So, right. again, you know, we have our place out in Hyde County, and so the 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 forest and the fields and the animals are really important. So, so in pottery, I collect fish heads. I collect birds because that's what I see all the time, you know, and, and, and like, not fish heads, but you know what I'm saying. Those are the things that mean something to me in life. And when you, you go in and you see it, it's, it, and some of them are just whimsical, but others are nice pieces of work, you know, really nice. Like the fish heads are, that, that guy's, you know, that takes a lot of time and effort and really talent. Certainly. Yeah. So, like the little painting there, that was when we went to Napa Valley, and and then my Jane painted those because my daughter used to go to go. We used to go get pancakes together, and you know, so little things like that. That's the oldest house in Hyde County. That's why I bought that one. Fair um, enough. Okay. So it's still there and almost totally crumbled down now. But you know, so that that kind of the then the marsh scenes and things that reminds me of you know certain things and 
Do you ever commission work? Uh, yeah, John, we did. We John painted four paintings for us. Okay. So when he goes to paint, I'll probably commission him to do a couple of while he's up there at our house. And then hopefully Richard and somebody else can come paint in other places. And yeah. Just start bit. an artist's uh, residency program or something. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> Ooh, total random question because I don't know anything about this and I figured you probably would. Collecting art in relation to taxes, business right. taxes, how does that work? Is it a tax write off? Is there some, like, I don't understand. Because I, no, no, no. Unless you give it to somebody. Okay, so it's only relevant if you give it away to right. the, to and a if you sell it, then you, then either you made a profit or you didn't, and, and you pay capital gains yeah, tax, just like any other tax, stuff. right? Okay, so there's really sort of like now, no tax. So, for instance, uh, Manu is on loan to the museum. Mm-hmm. We just lent it to him. Right. Yeah. So if something's on loan, is that no no tax related? No, stuff? it's no, just so we lent it to them, and okay. they're you know they have to pay us. They don't have to pay us. We lent it to them for nothing. So what about insurance? Oh, yeah, insurance like, big. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you have like but, separate like so you have household insurance, I'm sure, for yeah. some house and the offices. But like do you have to have separate insurance for an art collection? Yes, the answer is yes. Now there are some <laughs> The lim- answer is yes, you should. Yeah, you should. Hey, oh, you better. Although, you know, what the the big factor would be fire, hmm. in my opinion. Who's gonna steal it, right? What are they gonna do? Fence it would be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you offense a living artist? I don't think so, right? No, you know, right. It's, it's probably not going to happen, but uh, that's what everybody's. So we had a break in here. They came into my office, and of course, all they wanted are the TV screens and the little bit of technology. Yeah. And so everybody always asked me that. Are you, you know, are you worried about somebody stealing your art? I said, I, I, you know. I would imagine here it would be like a hurricane, so like yeah. water damage water, stuff sure. and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that would be my big concern. Yeah. Okay, so you do have to get sort of some amount of like separate Yeah, if you've insurance. got insurance, the question is, if you're starting with, I think there's a there's a limit of $100,000. $100,000 and below is included in your- Homeowners. Per piece. Oh, well, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was told. Hmm. More than I knew. Yeah. Okay, last little bit. So the future, what what are you what are you hoping that your collection, like, do you have some people like artists that you're like, I hope to collect those artists in the future that you haven't been able to either get the works or find the works or whatever, um, and then sort of like the hope for like what it's going to do for the future in general, the collection as a whole. I haven't really recently been studying other people at this point. But I find from time to time when you go into a gallery, a nice gallery, the mountains of North Carolina in the summertime is one of the wealthiest places on the planet. Okay, big time money. Uh, I lived in Dubai. I I beg to differ. (laughs) No, no, I got, but that's one of the wealthy, right. So you have these, and so they get very fine art up there. Oh, absolutely. And many fine artists live up there. So as far as finding new ones, it, 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 it would be ever evolving. So for instance, Tari, Stroud has Jordan Para, and she's a sculptress, and she's got these really nice sculptures, and and she's but she's very young, you know, she's probably twenty six years old, twenty eight years old, and so she's got a long way to go. So we'll keep watching and seeing how she progresses, and 
you know, but so so that that you know, yes. So, so we, you do watch artists. Uh, yeah, we you, do. You keep up with I them because because yeah. I there was this gallery in Washington D.C. that I knew of years ago. They still exist. Um, Hemphill Fine Arts, love that place. Yeah, but the and the the owner one time, I'm not. I never know if he was joking or not. George Hemphill, he told the story. He said, "Yeah, when I when I find an artist, I will put make a file for him and I'll put it in my file folder, and then ten years later, I will go back and see if they're still right. making work." Yeah. Like so, he would literally like find somebody he thinks makes good work, right? And wait ten years before That's, deciding yeah, to I mean, even represent them, much less like buy buy any of their stuff. As John Bierman told me one day, he said, "Scott, this is my job." I said, "You want to go? I want to show you someplace." He goes, "This is my job. I'm this. I'm working. This is it today. Okay, I can't take all day off. I mean, I gotta I gotta do this and you know get the spirit going and all that kind of stuff. And so it's." Uh, and so that just furthers your theme there that that because in order to get that 10 years you got to produce a lot of works and you got to be good and you got to be diligent about it if you're going to be somebody that's going to be recognized it, it it's most like i mean you probably knew some kids when they were growing up that played the piano or something they were very very good and then they get off and they find something else and they move on and and so you know what i'm saying it's it's if you're going to take it to the next step you got to really immerse yourself in your art oh yeah they say 95% of people who graduate with mfa stop making art within the first 5 years correct so yeah it's it takes a lot of tenacity simply to just continue to right. make art right one way or another but and there's so many other outlets these days, you know, all media, you know, I mean, magazines, everything is artwork, right? And Debatable, but yeah. Well, no, well, you know what I'm saying, you, you know, just to... Put, there's a lot of creativity in the world, Put that sure. together so that it's a, appealing to somebody to look through, right? Mm -hmm. you know, there's the, Correct. There's a lot of unappealing stuff, too. There's a lot of crap in the world, for yeah. sure. It's Grateful Dead. I became a deadhead when I was 40 years old, so... Wait, what? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. So, you know, so wait, then you probably never saw them. No, I saw them in Atlanta one time. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I saw them Long in time. No, I, I mean, I always liked some of their music, but I bought a couple of albums that were live. I always liked live music, because mm -hmm. it really tells you whether the artists are good or not, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I bought a couple of live albums, and at the time, I was... 45 minutes on the treadmill and so I just listen to the album and sit there and be a deadhead Don't I used to be a roadie so I used yeah. to tour around with rock and roll bands yeah. doing this kind of stuff yeah so it's, like, it's interesting oh yeah it was great times lots of drugs lots oh, of partying yeah. it's interesting yeah <laughs> but I quit that how old am I now 47 so I quit that almost 20 years ago yeah. now yeah. yeah been clean for 20 years or that's so that's good Actually, yeah, 20 years. 20 years right now. It's nice. It was it's every day, isn't it? It was Christmas Day, 1999. So, yeah, 20 years. Wow. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a big of, deal. It's kind of boring, though. <laughs> well, life is boring anyway, but to some degree. That's yeah. why you do all these things. I right? know. This is where we pick up other hobbies to keep ourselves Yeah, it's get, Well, I should say it's getting boring because... You know, the, there's not much to do right now. So. COVID makes things a bit difficult. I would imagine there's a lot of like drinking and whatever bad habits coming up. Oh yeah, it's COVID. gonna be it's gonna devastate a generation. Yeah, I know. 
I, I keep worrying about kids. Like the, their, you know, their social skills are not going to be very good. Their education, they're missing out on years at this oh, yeah. point. They, like, they, they've, they've killed a, they've killed a generation of minority kids. Oh, I'm not even. I'm not even thinking minority, not minority. I'm, I'm just, just thinking saying kids. It's that's the saddest thing that's happened since the Great Society. Mm. I mean, it just really is. You just think about they have zero support at home. They're all, you know, it's sad. Anyway, yeah, we're staying with art. So, anyway, yeah. Last little bit. So, last little thing for me would be some idea. So, if 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 another collector or somebody wanted to collect was listening, what kind of uh, advice would you give to that person uh, as far as like how to approach? Wellburn Alexander is a collector in Blowing Rock, and of course Elliot Dangerfield lived in Blowing Rock and was probably one of the finest North Carolina painters, even though he was maybe here or there, you know, whatever. But he lived up there for a long time, and Wellburn collected. 19th century American Impressionists from 1860 to 1890 or something like that. That's a good collection. Right. But he didn't go to 1900, right? Right. He didn't go to 1850. So keep your discipline in your genre and your collection. Now, you can have different types of art within that right so Mm -hmm. modernism you know some of it was new england and they had a specific theme where it was boats and whatever and some of it was from here there you know what i'm saying but but within that 19th century american impressionism Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of stuff going on but you keep that and so then that collection uh becomes very valuable okay so because like you mentioned earlier that you like yours is living North Carolina artist. So basically right. yours is going to be late late twentieth, early twenty first century Correct. North Carolina artist. That's right. gonna be the thing that's gonna yeah. sort of be your construct. Right. All right. Okay. Good way to look at it. Lovely. Yeah. Thank good. you very much for the time. All right. Thank you, Matthew. It was great. Really good. <laughs> <laughs>